There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. to another episode of that's what people do you are joined by me ryan mcgown and as always james k how you doing today buddy i'm feeling spooky i'm feeling spooky and, and creepy and halloweeny yeah well so you should because it is it is halloween it is all yep. hallows eve um Ooh. do you celebrate halloween often i feel like we have this we it's one of those that like, we have to have these conversations every year because we fucking forget about them yeah, I think for me, and probably for you as well, Halloween brings with it a lot of traumatic experiences, given the fact we used to work in like scare attractions and things. Um, I actually went back to my old work yesterday, where I worked last Halloween and the previous Halloweens, um, and it was nice to be on the other side and just be able to be like, I've seen it now, I'm going to walk away, instead of being trapped in the rooms for eight-hour days. Um, so Halloween for me is, is a time of usually a time of work, so it's nice to be on the other side. But again, we're English, so Halloween's not really a thing is it like we don't really do it and what? then you see videos coming out of the states and halloween's this massive event i kind of wish we had that but then also i don't want people knocking on my front door so catch 22 that's do you know what i don't mind halloween halloween's a freaky time i don't like being scared i don't like horror films i don't i don't like the fact that i had to do a lot of this research for this episode um that upsets <laughs> me um but uh the, the one thing i hate about halloween more than anything is the trick-or-treating um I never got to do trick-or-treating as a kid. My mum always said it was like begging and she wouldn't have her kids begging on people's doorsteps. So we've never done it. So I don't really get it. And I don't mm. like people knocking on your door saying trick-or-treat because it's like, how dare you? Fuck off. Unless you've yeah, got no, like... Yeah, no, fuck off. My, yeah, my food's unless, mine. Unless you've got an Amazon parcel for me, don't knock on my door. I don't want yeah. you here. No, yeah. But then if it was like the States where like every kid in the neighbourhood's out and every house is decorated and everyone's celebrating, like, I, get, I could get into that. But if it's like I, some fucking 13-year-old in a bin bag knocking at the door, 
Yeah. No, no. I, I could get I could get down with the American version of Halloween that you see on the TV and like the little cul-de-sac and everyone with kids are like dressed yeah, up as it's vampires cute. or werewolves. That's cute. Yeah, I like that. I can get down on that. Um, and then you get like the teenagers that go to you know like the old Sleepy Hollow down the road and you know hang yeah. out there, get murdered one by one, S- smoke some cigarettes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We all um, did but it. yeah, so uh, happy Halloween to everyone if you celebrate. Um, a bit weird if you do. I, I don't know. Listen, people do all the sorts of things, don't they? That's what people do. Hey, That's what people um, do. <laughs> right. So, shall we get into this? This is a. Uh, so, oh, actually, no, we have got some homework to talk about. Um, so, this is a spooky episode. There's a Halloween episode. So, it's going to get a wee bit spooky. Um, now, one thing we were a bit i'm an anari about when it comes to doing halloween episodes most podcasts will just like do a ghost story or something like that obviously we're all about people and what they do so we need to find like that person angle to it so you're not going to find us doing i don't know just some random ghost story that's not for us but i have found a story that has a human angle to it so we're going to do that today uh so enjoy this halloween episode but uh, if you want a little bit extra, if you head over to our Patreon, you will notice we have a new video that has been uploaded to Patreon, and it is a wee bit of a Halloween spooky thing for you. Um, it's not scurry in the way, but it is kind of scary. Um, but it is a true crime related. So if you are interested um, by that, you would be able to find soon on our socials a trailer for that. Um, but also, yeah, if you want to see the full thing, head over to Patreon and you can watch that video. So, yeah, check it out. It was worth the fucking work. <laughs> when we say work, I, I think we'll get on to the episode in a second. But when we were planning the documentary, uh, me and Ryan were going back and forth. And I believe one thing I said was, can we just not do as much walking as we did last time? That was like my one, my one like rule. We did arguably double. It it yeah. it was a lot. It was a lot of walking. Surprisingly, I wasn't in as much pain this time. But the weather, we decided to do it on a day where a storm hit London. Um, so you're not, mm. if you do watch the Patreon, even if you're not interested in the content, which you should be because it's a fascinating case, uh, you just can just watch Ryan and I get wetter and then drier and then wetter again. Some days we'll be happy in one shot, and the next we'll be fucking miserable. It it's it's a journey. And then you'll find one shot where it's absolutely glorious, blue sky, beautiful day. And that's because we had to shoot over two days because the weather was that bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there was just a point we were standing on the iconic Tower Bridge in London. It was about 8pm, was it? And we were just trying to mm. film. Ryan was trying to do his speech. And I think we all just collectively looked at each other and went, fuck this. And we just went to the pub instead. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, it was good. Um, so yeah, uh, consider heading over to the Patreon to check out that video. Uh, one, it would support us, which is what it's all about, because by supporting us, uh, that allows us to go out and create more content um, to go out. Uh, it all benefits the show, and in return, you get to watch that. So yeah, consider supporting us. Thank you very much. Also, one final um, advert for that. Um, it got sent to me about half an hour ago, and I'm halfway through watching it for the first time. Um and I've said this is so fucking good at least three times. So if I've said it, it must be. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, well, we may as well. Uh, if we've got another person who's joined us on the Patreon, thank you to Rowan, who is an absolute hero uh, for joining us uh, over on Long Patreon. Long-time supporter, you. Rowan. Long-time Long supporter. supporter. Long-time friend of the show. So thank you very much, Rowan. It's great to have you still around. Right. Let's get on with the show. James, are you into um, ghost stories at all? No and yes. I find them fascinating to like, I love swapping ghost stories and hearing other people's encounters and 
in the safety of my own home. You put me in a cinema or something watching a horror film, absolutely not. Not for me. Mm. I won't do mm. it. Now, James, as I was researching this episode, I was reminded of a story that you once told me that absolutely freaked me out. And I wondered if you could tell it again, because I don't remember it properly, and I don't know whether we should tell it on the show. But it was about yeah, you in, in your room, and you either had sleep paralysis or there was someone banging on that door right behind you now. Do you remember this at all? You said that you heard, this is what I remember, you were in your room at night, it's dark, and you could hear banging on your door and you were paralysed with fear because you didn't know what the fuck that was on the other side and then I think you asked your family if they'd all heard it and none, no one else heard the banging and of course you live in the attic no something has come back, oh god you've unlocked a fucking memory here, god now I'm scared to be in this room, I was comfortable F- fuck's sakes um, <laughs> I do remember that, yeah it, it, I remember lying there in my bed which is right next to me and That's like, it. I don't think I had sleep paralysis because I, I can remember I could move I've had sleep paralysis once before where this giant cockroach crawled on my chest, but that was fucking weird. Um, and someone was hammering on my door, like hammering on the door. And I yeah. fucking shat myself. But in like the bravest way possible, I just sort of put my head under the covers and just went back to sleep. Um, <laughs> but apparently no one else heard it. But no, no, no. I remember it is a vivid memory that I've just... Mm. Fuck. No, that's horrible. <laughs> one thing it might, One thing it might have been is that because I am in the attic, sometimes I get squirrels and birds on the roof and they're really noisy. Um, mm. But this was in the dead of night, so maybe not. But no, I'm yeah. God, that's terrifying. That's not the only ghost experience I've had, but we'll get onto that later. Oh, God, I love sharing ghost stories, so, so much right. to come. Ah, oh, this is the worst time of year for me. I said this to Jenna. I was like, I'm writing a, a, a true crimey, scary thing for Patreon. I'm writing a, a ghost story for the show. And I'm the like, the worst person to do this. I absolutely hate this. So It'll be Christmas soon. You're welcome, everyone. Right, let's get into it, shall we? <clears throat> it's Halloween, a time where girls go out to party in their best cat girl outfits. Of course, that's not what it's all about. There are many who take it as seriously as Katie does in Mean Girls. In fact, it's said to be the one day of the year where the line between the afterlife and our world becomes thin, allowing for spirits to cross over. It's said to be the reason why we dress up at Halloween. It wasn't all dressing up as this year's topical thing like Jeffrey Dahmer or Wednesday Adams. It supposedly originates as far back as our Celtic days when it may have been called Samhain, a holiday celebrating the dead that took place on the 31st of October. Now since the border between our world and the realm of the dead was so thin, people would dress up as the dead to blend in and not provoke any unwanted attention, kind of like Sean's genius plan to get to the Winchester in Shaun of the Dead. Now, if it be true that spirits can cross over into our world on Halloween, what happens on the 1st of November if they don't cross back? Surely they must just stay here. Like most things paranormal, if you begin to question the logic for five minutes, you quickly realise that it's all just a load of codswallop. In fact, let's do that for a second. If a spirit crosses over into our world on Halloween, the first question I have is, where from? Where does a spirit go after they die? Now, you and I, we're not religious people, so it can't be an afterlife. So, if spirits do exist, where do they go? Now, that's a rhetorical answer, but I'm willing to put it out to the floor. Where do... I don't know. This is... Right. This is where we become hypocrites, isn't it? Because I think to believe in ghosts, you also do then have to believe in an afterlife. Like, they sort of go so. hand in hand, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. So do I believe in ghosts? I don't know. I believe this... Right. I'm going to get really spiritual here. Um, I believe in energy. 
which is, as I say it, I cringe because it's, it's such a horrible sentence to say. But you know when you go into a house or another building or something and something's happened there and you just you feel it? You just feel that something has happened there. It's a different energy from when you're sat in your house to if you go to, like, a house where someone's been murdered. Obviously, if you've already been told that someone's been murdered there, you've got this subconscious thing of, oh, something's happened here. Mm. But I genuinely believe that places have energy, and I think everyone's had that experience in their life where they either feel like they're being watched or they feel like they're somewhere where they shouldn't be. And I think that's just a very real thing. Um, I don't know why. I can't explain it. But what was the question? Mm. I've digressed massively. Where is the afterlife? I don't know. Why well, can't yeah, where, do, where do your spirits go? Yeah, and why? If if like you said, I think religion, spiritualism, all that kind of thing comes hand in hand. The idea that you die and you go somewhere else—that means there has to be an afterlife, and that is too closely aligned with religion. So that gets tricky for us who have no belief at all. So then, in that realm, you'd be like, well, there is nothing to go to. Um, but the idea of maybe energy—I don't know. I don't know whether energy is just being trapped. I guess. Yeah, I, th- I yeah. think it's. I think it's energy. Yeah. Uh, so then there's the whole missing the deadline on Halloween thing, right? So if spirits can come over if they miss the deadline, what time does the border between our world and theirs begin to blur? And then when does it stop? Is it midnight to midnight? Surely the spirits must be proper bummed out when it gets to like eleven fifty-eight, knowing that they've got to go back now. And what about those that miss it? Why do they miss it? Is there some sort of place you need to go to to get back to your world? Is it like in the Matrix where you've got to find a particular payphone to get back into the real world? And even if they do miss it, can they not just go back the next year? Why do some spirits linger and stay on? But then maybe that's what the medium's job is. Maybe that their job is to help them cross over. But again, they're all religious people. And believe me, I had a look. I found it very fucking difficult finding an atheist medium to the point I couldn't find one. There are no, none. I think you'd, you'd be hard-pressed, wouldn't you? Because yeah. atheists genuinely are quite miserable bastards, and I include us in that. We're miserable bastards. Um, We're very pessimistic. It's just not fun. Yeah. <laughs> now, the point here is that the world of the paranormal is a complicated one. There are very few definitive answers, but that is not for a lack of trying. Humans have always been obsessed with the dead and wondered what happens to us after we die. But I would argue that it wasn't until the Victorian times when we really began to investigate the paranormal. There weren't investigations like we have today, but they were trying to contact the dead by using Ouija boards. They were laying the groundwork for the type of investigations that would come. Which leads me on to the topic of today's episode. Known as one of the most documented cases of poltergeist activity, the Enfield Haunting is a story about rampant paranormal activity, about science's desperate attempt to document and explain paranormal phenomena, and about the likelihood of it all just being an elaborate hoax by an 11-year-old girl. So, let's get into it. Let's. Our story begins in the evening on the 31st of August 1977 at 284 Green Street, Enfield, London, the home of the Hodgson family. They were settling themselves down for the night, pyjamas on, Coronation Street playing in the black and white TV in the living room. The two sisters, Janet, aged 11, and her older sister, Margaret, were in their shared room talking before getting into bed, when all of a sudden, they begin to hear shuffling in their room. They can't pinpoint where the noise is coming from, but it's definitely in the room with them. As they sit on the same bed, confused by the shuffling, they're startled when their mum, Peggy Hodgson, bursts through the door to tell them that they need to pack it in with the noise and get to bed. The girls tell Peggy that it's not them making the noise. Peggy dismisses it at first and tells them to get into bed. 
As she turns to walk out the room, the large chest of drawers suddenly jolts out from the wall. Initially confused but trying to think nothing of it, Peggy pushes the furniture back against the wall. But as soon as it's done, the whole unit flings back out at Peggy. When trying to push the drawers back a second time, she feels resistance and is completely unable to move it back into place. Confused and a little concerned, Peggy tries to dismiss it and tells the girls just go to sleep. But they can't. None of them can. They can hear knocks and raps on the walls and strange noises coming from all over the house. None of them got a wink of sleep that night. By the next day, the family were exhausted, but the knocking and the taps were still happening. Peggy's had enough. She gets the girls and their little brother Billy into their shoes and coats and goes next door to get help. Neighbour Vic Nottingham, a builder by trade, goes into the house to see if anything makes sense to him. Now, Vic knows buildings. He's helped build quite a few himself. He understands about normal house creaks and groans, especially toward the tail end of summer when the evenings can get significantly cooler than during the day. Houses can settle. This is when different parts of a house, such as the foundations and wood within the structure, shrink or expand due to temperature changes. This causes noises such as creaks, groans and knockings, and we've all been exposed to it. You'll be sitting in your house on your own and then all of a sudden the radiator starts doing its best drum and bass set. It can be quite unnerving when you don't know what the cause of the noise is. I'm sure you've had them, James. I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden you'll hear just creaks. And you think, what the fuck was that? And you're yeah, on your I own. Think it's, especially when the house is warm, isn't it? In summer as it cools down in the night. It like Especially our houses because they're quite old. So yeah. things do go bump in the night, but it's nothing to worry about. Hmm. Now, for builder Vic Nottingham, however, he was certain that the raps and the knocking was not the house settling. As he walked around the house and up the stairs into the girls' bedroom, he felt that the knocking was following him. Unable to explain the phenomena, he recommended that the family call the police. It's here that you would expect that the police might be able to explain away the noise or at least look at it from a purely rational standpoint, but no. Their line of questioning was a sound one at start, the usual stuff. Could it be an infestation of sorts? Maybe the building itself is just creaking. Could it have been the children? With three children aged 13 and under, it was possible that this was just a prank by the kids. But Peggy and neighbour Vic were convinced that that was not so easily explained. It was at this moment that one of the officers saw a chair move. She said of it, quote, um, Came off the floor, or maybe a half inch, I should say, and I saw it slide off to the right, about three and a half to four feet before it came to rest. Um, I checked to see whether or not it could possibly have slid along the floor. I placed a marble on the floor to see whether or not the marble would um, go in the same direction as the chair did, and it didn't. It didn't roll at all. I checked for wires under the cushion of the chair, and I could find no explanation at all. In the end, the police left unable to explain anything and felt that they couldn't investigate random noises because that's not illegal. <laughs> Peggy Hodgson was distraught though. She did not know what to do, so she called the media. Peggy got hold of the Daily Mirror newspaper. Oh, I bet they now, fucking loved it, didn't they? Well, I was going to say, maybe it was a quiet week for the papers, or maybe it was the fact that the second Exorcist movie was due to release in two weeks, and this was kind of similar to what they were talking about, but the Daily Mirror sent reporters and a photographer over to have a look. I do find it's very important here that 
the Exorcist movie, the second one at least, because the first one was a big hit. The second one, everyone's very excited for this to come out. This comes out two weeks time from when this starts. Just saying. Very coincidental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the reporter and the photographer arrive at the home in Green Street and set themselves up, camera at the ready to capture whatever is going on. As the Hodgsons come back into the house, having been sheltering at their neighbours, things start to happen. The photographer claims that as soon as 11-year-old Janet walked into the living room, things started flying around. Lego bricks, marbles, even claims of an ashtray levitating around the room were made by the reporters from the Daily Mirror. In fact, the photographer claims that he was struck on the head by a Lego brick. Both the photographer and the reporter swear blind that while they were watching the whole room, they could not see where the pieces originated from, but that it was definitely not thrown by any of the three children that were present. The Daily Mirror went away to develop the photos taken, hoping for proof. Surprisingly, they were unable to capture any photographic evidence of objects flying around the room. Instead, they decided to make a story out of it. They called the Society for Psychical Research, a British organisation founded in 1882, whose job was to document and examine claims of psychic and paranormal phenomena. These guys are the OGs when it comes to professional ghost hunting. So naturally, when the Daily Mirror contacted them claiming there was a poltergeist in Enfield, they sent their least experienced member to crack the case. (laughs) This is work experience. Yeah, they literally sent their least experienced member, Morris Gross, who at the time was aged 58, so quite late for work experience. Mm. He was he was a professional inventor by trade, with his most notable invention being the rotating advertising billboard. Quite Whoa. Cool. Yeah. He had joined the Society for Psychical Research, or SPR as I'm going to call it from now on, in 1977, literally the same year as this all kicking Mm. off. This guy has no experience. He claims that he joined for a purely scientific reason. He claims that he and his family had experienced paranormal goings-on in their life in the last year and wanted to understand it more, so signed up. But what people tend to forget is that Morris had a personal tragedy when one of his daughters died in an accident just that year before. Just slightly coincidental that he and his family should then experience paranormal goings-on after the death of their daughter. Maybe he was just trying to understand the paranormal in an attempt to contact his daughter. Oh, uh, I also want to mention that his daughter was named Janet, just like the 11-year-old Hodgson daughter who was experiencing paranormal stuff. Right, okay, so he thought there was a bit of a connection there. Yeah, it, I, again, it's just, I just think it's one of these, it's very coincidental, his daughter dies the year before he starts getting paranormal activity happening in his life. And you're like, right, yes, dude, it's because you want to see that. And now yeah. you're seeing it. And so he's, yeah. as an inventor, he's like, well, I've got to find this out. So he joins the SPR, gets on the case. Just happens that the girl's also called Janet like his daughter. It's just, it's all clicking together like a jigsaw puzzle. When Morris met the family, he described everyone as being very disturbed. The family were relieved to have a professional there to help them. Morris witnessed knocks and bangs and concluded that this was akin to poltergeist activity. 
Naturally, the family had no idea what he was talking about, which convinced Morris that this was no prank because they don't know what the word poltergeist means. I just think they know, but they know what the word ghost is. Like, do you know what I mean? They, they know the difference. I, which makes me think it's just very naive, but just because he mm. knows it, you know. Now, for those like the Hodgsons who don't know what a poltergeist is or the types of spirits, I will break it down for you. Now, there are many types of ghosts like orbs and ectoplasm, but the main ones that I was told by a medium years ago and the ones that have always remained in my head are these three. Ghosts. These are the remnants of long-deceased peoples. You generally won't get to interact with these since they're just in essence a visual memory lingering on. The ghost might be seen walking up a set of stairs. They won't interact with you. They don't even know you're there. If you were to demolish the building, they would still be walking up and down the same set of stairs that are no longer there. Then there are spirits. Like ghosts, these are remnants of deceased peoples, but they have not yet passed on to wherever it is you go after you die. Their spirit still lingers and is in essence trapped. These are the ones that you will see mediums going around trying to help to try and pass them on to the new area. They might make themselves present with the odd tap or moving something. They're considered to be nice spirits that aren't there to hurt you. But then we come on to poltergeists opposite of spirits. These remnants are nasty spirits. The word poltergeist is of German origin meaning noisy spirit or ghost. Now these spirits will make themselves known with loud knocks and bangs. They'll throw things around the room, move things and at their worst possess people. Now you are advised to steer clear of poltergeist should you come across one. Do not try to make contact with it. Do not try to control it. The best advice is to try and ignore it whilst you bless the house and seek professional help, be it from a medium or a priest. So there you go, James, there's a PSA for you. Do you get a choice? Like, when you die and you're a ghost, do you get a choice, like, oh, I'm going to be a poltergeist or I'm just going to be cool? Uh, I don't know. It's it's tricky, isn't it? Because when you die, you're supposed to then move on to the other the uh, the afterlife. But then, if say for instance it's Halloween where you've got that border between the two worlds getting thin, you cross over. You're just stuck there. I don't know. And then, I don't know. Uh, generally, poltergeists are referred um, to as either being like demonic, so they could be a demon that's around mm. this is the bit that annoys me when it comes to paranormal stuff because they're like demons are associated with it and that's religious so i'm like right, well that's mm. me out um but it's either a demon that is then possessing or haunting a particular area or it's just a nasty piece of work so like you know serial killer maybe or something that's just hanging around a bit of an just a massive dickhead just a massive but it dickhead. Was, like you mentioned at the start of the episode that people started really getting into ghosts and paranormal stuff in the victorian times and i imagine that's why most people say they see victorian ghosts and you very rarely see like a caveman ghost or a medieval ghost like you just don't there's no stories of them i know some stories like roman legions going up and down roads but i think every town's got that story so i think that's bollocks but they're always victorian ghosts you don't see fucking dave the plumber who died last week just sort of knocking around do you yeah exactly that's the thing yeah they are always victorian they're always dressed in period clothing like the old gray lady and it's like not the lady who's got pink and purple dye in her hair <laughs> no yeah got hit by a car a month ago she's yeah. gone she's fine like it just, yeah it doesn't make sense mm. after a few days at the hodgson house morris concluded that he needed backup to properly document the case help came in the form of guy playfair a 42 year old journalist turned paranormal investigator he had more experience than Morris, and they were a good team. 
Along with a photographer from the Daily Mirror who decided to stay on, they began to set up a more professional-looking investigation. The majority of the phenomena is centred around the girl's shared bedroom, so they set up a tape recorder to record all night with a live feed going to the set of headphones in the living room where they were based, and they also had cameras set up in the girl's bedroom with a remote trigger attached, so if they heard any noise coming from the room, the investigators took a picture. I don't think you'd get away with that in today's world. You said no, you, you can't in. film. You can't. You can't film nah. unless they give you special permission. We've got one downstairs to keep an eye on the dog. That's about it. Yeah, we have one in the kitchen for the dog too. But no, this is not a recording like video. This is uh, cameras like just click, snaps click. a bit like flash. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a guy sat in the living room with headphones on, listening to a live feed of the bedroom. Anytime he hears a noise, he's like, click, takes a picture. Um, that's you'd be fucking livid if you around. were one of the girls because that flash is going to wake you up like, can you stop yeah and it is a flash as well yeah because that ghosts can only be caught I remember I think we spoke about this didn't we with the Edinburgh vaults when you go down there and they encourage you to take as many pictures as you possibly can in mm. case you get something and then on my tour they showed a picture I was like look what this one guest captured and it's just like a fucking fleck of dust oh yeah so they, those are orbs so when I was mentioning types of it's ghosts it's dust yeah, there's a reason I didn't talk about orbs because they're just it's just dust. It's nothing. And they're like, oh no, but if you look, it doesn't move naturally. It just moves and it flicks straight up. And it's like, well, yeah, because you're a fl- tiny fleck of fucking dust. Like, the wind is different for a tiny fleck of dust to it is for you and me. I'm so torn with ghosts because I really want to believe them. I really, really, I genuinely do. And I, I've had some weird encounters that I can't explain. But also, logically, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. So, I don't know. Oh. It's really upsetting Life. because uh, me, ghost stories and horror films and all of that absolutely terrifies me, and yet my logic brain is like, nope, don't. But no, the, but it makes no sense. We've been hunting them for so long, we would have had concrete proof by now, surely. You think, yeah, you think. Now. As is typical with most investigations, the pictures didn't show anything paranormal, but they continued to hear sounds. Morris started to look into the history of the house and the area. He started to believe that the things that were going on were reminiscent of a child. There was laughing, there was crying, there were moans that all sounded like a child. Then, Janet made Morris aware that there was an indentation of a person on her bed. Her mum Peggy was adamant that nobody had been upstairs before that time. Now the indentation was small, like that of a child. Ugh. And also very interesting that it's Janet who has told Morris there is an indentation on my bed. So whilst Peggy's like, no one's been up there. It's like, well, you know, Janet has because she's been up there to see it to then come down and tell Morris that it's there. So it could very well be uh, her indentation. It could very well just have been her. There's something creepier about ch- child ghosts as well, because I think it's sad for one that a child has died, and mm. kids are just fucking creepy. Yeah. I don't Adults I feel like I can deal with. Like, if an adult ghost is going to come at me, I can just have a chat and be like, can you not? Whereas a child ghost is just going to mess around. <laughs> can you not? <laughs> yeah. You're messing my day, bro. I'm not having this. Like, can you not? Imagine, I'll be like, imagine when you were alive and someone was haunting you. It's just so... It's just, can you not? Mm. just find mm. someone else there's people out there who actively want to find ghosts go and have a chat to them i don't want to be part of this that's a good point that's leave good me point. alone it's something really interesting to be said about that where the people that want to see it the most they will see it 
And that's the problem. Well, this is, it's exactly the thing. If you tell yourself you're going to see something, you will see it. Like, mm. if you, it's, it's like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. If you tell yourself something's going to go wrong, if, you, if you're in like a play or something and you're an actor on stage and you're like, I'm going to forget my line here, chances are you're going to forget your line there because you've put it into your head so much. Whereas if you just yeah. get on with it. Now, they say that like the, the brain is so intelligent, but honestly, it's so easily tricked. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's, I think it's the the whole bungee jumping thing, isn't it? You tell yourself all the way up before doing a bungee jump that this is the scariest thing you're going to do. You're going to die. You're going to have a panic attack. And you will be. You'll be sweating. But then the second it's mm. over, you're like, well, that was fucking great. It's just your brain has yeah. just convinced you that it's the worst thing in the world, when in reality, it's not. It's really fun. Mm. Yeah. Now, Morris was told a local story about a man who murdered his young daughter by strangling her on the landing. Now, you may be wondering what this has to do with the Hodgsons on Green Street when the murder took place at another house on another street. Well, Peggy's ex-husband knew the man who murdered his daughter, and when he was sent to Broadmoor, Peggy's ex-husband took some bits from the house and put it up in their own home. Bits like the curtains, pelmets, a chair and a glass cabinet. Rather coincidentally, the curtains were put up about a week before the phenomena started in the house. Oh, could it be that the spirit of the little girl had followed the items taken from her home and was raging over her murder? Whatever it was, one night it almost killed one of the family. Morris had decided to have all of the furniture brought over from the murdered girl's home taken away. The house was redecorated and the family all moved into one room where they would sleep for the foreseeable. One night the family were awoken when they could hear one of the wires connected to the camera moving around. They also said they could hear tapping. Morris also confirmed that the wire was vibrating vigorously. The knocking was confirmed to be coming from within the chimney. While Morris was listening in, he could hear screams coming from the bedroom. The iron grate from the fireplace in the bedroom had been ripped out from the wall, landing on the floor inches away from the youngest brother, Billy. It was said that the metal piece weighed between 10 to 15 kilograms, and if it had landed on him, would have seriously injured him, if not killed him. It was all too much. Morris decided that the family needed some time away from the house. He could see that they were tired and it was affecting their well-being. He helped to fund a trip to Clacton-on-Sea, now, while there, the family had no issues at all, but the same couldn't be said for the house. The neighbours complained that they were awoken by knocks coming from the house. Nobody was in the house. Whoa. Maybe they got rats. Does anyone think they might have rats in the walls? Uh, we'll get onto this later when we talk about some theories. Now, when the family returned, it all kicked off again. While bedding down for the night on the 5th of November, knocks began. Morris tried to contact with the entity. He would ask questions, asking for responses to be made with knocks. Questions like, did you die in this house? Three knocks. Morris asked the entity if this was a game, if he was playing with him. And at that point, a cardboard box flung from across the room and struck Morris on the head. A priest was brought in to bless the house, and a medium was brought in to try and contact the entity. It was a scary sight. The medium was supposedly possessed, and out of her mouth, the entity spoke. It screamed, it laughed maniacally, and it threatened to kill them all. I get goosebumps telling this story, and I know I've, what happens. 
I fucking love people that think they get possessed. But like, maybe some people do get possessed. I've heard some exorcism stories that sound fucking mad. Mm. But I think it's mental illness. But anyway, there was... I used to work at a, a castle, a medieval castle. Um, and they used to do ghost tours in the evening. And one of my friends, who I was friends with while working there, was training to be one of the ghost tour leaders. And he would go around with the person who was doing it and just like watch, just, like shadow it and take it all in. And he said one night this woman like got possessed and I'm doing air quotes and she started like speaking gibberish and she was like pretending no. to be someone. And he was standing there and like, this is the biggest load of fucking bollocks he's ever seen because he has been in the castle. We all have like late at night and this has never happened to anyone ever. Mm. My brother still works there. He's worked there for nine over a decade. And I asked him every time, have you ever seen anything? He says, no, it's fucking bollocks. Like there's nothing there. This place was built in 1068. If there's going to be a ghost, it's there. But this one yeah. woman, I'm fairly sure she was American, was convinced that she was possessed and was, like, speaking in tongues. And everyone around was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And he was like, this is fucking nonsense. You're just pandering to this woman. Mm. It's like Who is clearly um... going through some sort of mental health episode and needs help. We, we, we brought this up, I think, maybe a year or two ago. But do you remember uh, the dungeon where we used to work? They put out a video on social media of the actors talking stories, about yeah. ghost stories around the place. And you're <laughs> Just like, fucking lies. You All of them were lies. And you're like, are you dumb? County Hall, where they're building, <laughs> where they, where the building, the, the attraction is in County Hall, right opposite Westminster Palace. It's less. It's like a hundred years old. Like no one's yeah, died there. It, it looks really old, but it's not. It's just. A quite a new building. I remember yeah. once I was at the front, um, and this guy asked me like, "Is this the real London dungeon?" I was like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean the real London dungeon?" He's like, "But is this the dungeon where they kept people?" At that point, I was like, "You're not going to be my problem in two minutes." Like, yeah, it is. This is where they kept people. There's bodies down there, and then you just send them on the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, now the old dungeon that was at Tooley Street. Um, if you need, like, if you Tooley Street, it's London Bridge. Um, if you head there. That had some more credible ghost stories, but then it was a lot older, so I don't know. At the castle, um, there's a jail, like an actual jail where they kept prisoners and tortured them and stuff, like really cool in the depths of the, in the, in the castle. Um, and then one Halloween, they got like an outside company in and they did seances in there, but like it was like a show. And I'm not gonna lie, that was fucking mad because you don't get much like the, the ambiance in that room was crazy because that's where people were literally hung on the fucking walls. Ugh. But again, no ghosts. No, no ghosts. When the medium came round, she proclaimed that if they were to try and get rid of the entity, they would have a war on their hands. She claimed that the entity was centred around 11-year-old Janet. She was a sensitive and needed help. Funny enough, um, I've been called a sensitive. Not as an offensive slur. Um, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember this story. I think this is one of the first... When I told you I was doing the Warrens like four years ago, yeah, yeah, that's how old it is now. It's, it's an interest. It's tell it to the new listeners. It's a fascinating story. So yeah, for those of you that are new listeners and you don't know, um, I once told a story in our episode when we talk about the Warrens. It's like episode four, so head back to that. Uh, we don't even have an intro to the show at that point, so that's fun. Um, yeah, I went ghost hunting, um, and whilst I walked into a particular room in this uh, place that we're in. I was getting violent headaches. I was feeling very oppressed. I was feeling like I just wanted to scream and just shout at the next person uh, to, to stand close to me. I was really, really feeling bad. And I mentioned it and I said, I really feel sick and awful. I really don't feel good at all. And uh, they took me out 
and a medium came with me and uh, the medium sat me down gave me a cup of tea and asked me how I'm feeling asking me my experience all that kind of stuff and um, they then said to me yeah no you're you're what we would call in our world a sensitive and I was like what does that mean she was like uh, you're a sensitive so like a moth is attracted to a light bulb because it gives off so much bright light um, spirits mm. look at humans in the same way so if you have a lot of uh, life force or an aura about you um spirits can see that and they 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 need that so they suck off the energy to like you know keep themselves in the room keep themselves around uh, and you well, are a sensitive a i got sucked off by a spirit but yeah no they're like uh they, they hang around people that have got that and you apparently unfortunately have that and i was like right okay so you're telling me i'm like a you know i don't know i'm catnip for ghosts or something yeah um but yeah so that was a weird story I mean, there's every chance you just suddenly got like a migraine or a cluster headache or something and got irritable because of it. I like, I whenever I get headaches, I violently want to scream at people. Mm. So maybe you just got a headache. Had you drunk enough water that day? We we don't know. Probably not. I don't drink water at all. You anyway, need to do that, Ryan. You're gonna die an early death and then become a ghost. Well, and I can tell everyone you need to drink water, otherwise you'll end up like me. <laughs> Coincidentally, Janet was soon possessed too one night when she was crying out for Morris. When he came into the room, he could see that Janet appeared to be asleep but was calling for Morris, like sleep talking, screaming out loud. She was also gesturing over to some paper, so he gave the asleep Janet a crayon and watched as she sleepily wrote, quote, The ghost is in the bedroom, this time no warning. Just the, Just again, if I've not made it clear. This Janet is supposedly completely sparko, absolutely asleep in her bed, but she is screaming out for like Morris and she's gesturing and she's writing with her eyes shut, just completely asleep and her hand is just doing it like she's possessed. Now, listen, I don't know if she was or not possessed. It's just very coincidental that once they had a medium in the house who got possessed, she then gets possessed. Thought she'd learn what it was. Yeah, like she didn't know what it was before, but now she knows, so we might try that one. I don't know. Yeah. It wouldn't be the only time either. Janet would produce a series of disturbing drawings. She would be heard screaming in the night, and when they got to her, she would have superior strength. Now, one thing that was caught on tape was Janet being flung down the stairs headfirst whilst asleep. Janet also had a spirit talk through her. There are audio recordings of Janet barking like a dog and speaking in a deep voice, something that Morris and others claimed she could not do. And James, I sent you a, a video clip of her doing the deep voice. So uh, yeah. for those of you listening as well, I'm going to play that now. As I asked earlier, how many voices are there? Six hundred. Six hundred voices. I know the joke. How many really are there, Margaret? I think so far we've had ten um, sensible voices, but the rest of the names are absolute rubbish. Right, yeah, I've I've heard enough. This one. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's kind of weird, isn't it? Like it's kind of creepy. You know, have you seen The Shining? No. Oh well, it's for some people. If you've seen The Shining, you've got Danny, the young boy, um, and then you've got uh, oh, what's what's his finger called? I can't remember, but he does he does a voice. He's like red rum, red rum, and he does it with his fucking finger. 
Um, that's oh, right. what it reminded yeah. me of. It's just a kid going. Rah, rah, rah. Oh, fair enough. We can all make that noise. Yes. Now, it was such a big story that even the famous Ed and Lorraine Warren, who we've covered before in episode four, showed up. Now, contrary to the movie The Conjuring 2, Ed and Lorraine were not a big part of this story. Now, James, you haven't seen The Conjuring 2, but like they're in it from the fucking get-go right through to the end, and there's a demon involved, and the girls are in it, and all this kind of stuff. That's not what happened. Uh, and yeah. They were literally, like, they turned up for like a day or two, and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah there's some stuff going on here. And then they just fucked off. <laughs> I mean, they were phonies, weren't they? <laughs> Ed's got shit to do, man. This guy focuses more on demons. He's like, yeah, fucking exercise this man. I'll bless this house with fucking holy water. <laughs> now, some serious activities going on here, and it's all very, very spooky. There were many tests performed to try and understand this phenomena. Morris had young Janet taken to London University, where she met with a student of experimental physics to test Janet's psychical abilities. Now, the test used was spoon bending, like the infamous bender himself, Uri Geller. (laughs) Now, we have very briefly spoken about him when we covered the amazing Randy. Yeah. I'm throwing, throwing back all the episodes today. Yeah. Now, Geller was big during this time for his psychic spoon bending abilities. However, it was to be noted that he could only do this mediocre feat under his own conditions. Now, we covered the famous fuck up when he appeared on an American talk show and he couldn't do anything at all when the equipment was controlled by the production company and not himself. At the London University, it was said that Janet was able to bend the spoon with only her mind in a controlled environment. But there doesn't seem to be any video footage of this to back it up. Now, I can't document everything that has happened to the Hodgson's at Green Street. I said it in the intro that this is the most documented case of a poltergeist. This episode would never end if I just rattled off all the occurrences. Now, this show is about people, not ghosts. They're not real, or so I hope. So, let's try and look at it from a rational perspective. Morris had invited other members of the SPR to come and witness this historic case. The attendees were Anita Gregory and John Beloff. When they turned up to the house to witness the goings-on, they concluded that there was nothing paranormal going on and that it was all likely down to just Janet pulling very elaborate pranks. Oh. That's his own colleague saying that. Yeah. And again, he is the least experienced member of the entire crew, and he's like, oh, it's a fucking pot guys. It's like, really? On your first job? Don't think so, Morris. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty damning, girl. isn't it? Especially given his personal circumstances with his daughter yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're looking for it. Come on. Yeah. Now, the paranormal world is no stranger to hoaxes. One of the most famous cases is that of the Amityville House. The Lutz mm. family moved into the horror house after it was left vacant following a mass murder where on the 13th of November 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed six members of his family. The Lutz family then We did an episode made... on that, didn't we? Uh, I think we briefly covered it in The Warrens. But I don't think yeah, we've done an episode on it. it's all ringing it. a bell. It's all ringing yeah. a bell. So the Lutz family made claims that the house was haunted, that they couldn't live there, and they fleed overnight. It inspired a book, it inspired movies, but it's considered to be a hoax created to capitalise on the notoriety of the infamous case itself. Because it's, it's got that really famous picture, hasn't it, of the staircase and there's like a child like peering around the corner. Uh, ooh, Yeah, that rings a bell. I don't like that. It's a, really, got... it's a re- 
really famous picture. Ryan's freaking himself out. He's just stared out the window like he's seen something. Uh, no, I just I was getting goosebumps because you just said that and it reminded the images in my head and that's just giving me goosebumps. And then my cat just decided at the exact moment to jump on the windowsill. <laughs> oh, well, you've got fucking Netflix in the background and it keeps popping up horror films with horrendous posters. So I'm just that's sat it. there staring at these in your back. Like, it's freaking me out. And there's also there's a picture above your TV. You can keep all this in because it's interesting. There's a picture above your TV that has really been bothering me. It looks like it's a... Is it a woman? Who is that? What one? Yeah. This one? Furthest, furthest to your left. Uh, so this is um, a old Saxon helmet that was discovered in Sutton Hoo in Suffolk. And it's, it's a picture. Uh, yeah, so all three of these are a set from an artist who draws um, Saxon and Nordic inspired right, okay. art from um, my perspective it looks like a woman with really hollowed out eyes oh that's interesting now you're making me freak out I it's don't like really this. it's been bothering me a lot but anyway we'll so, carry no, on it's a picture of a helmet the one in the middle is a ragnar in the snake pit and the other one is of a viking soldier under stamford bridge being killed by an englishman or something right okay but now i know it's fine but yeah. It's fine. It's all good. I've it's been good. staring at that for the past 40 odd minutes. <laughs> oh, God. This is honestly the worst episode for me. <laughs> so, what can we take away from this case? The girls were known to prank the investigators. Now, let's take a let's take a look at the knocking and the tapping, right? It's easy to assume that it would be the children doing this. It's very likely, in fact. But what about the times when they were actively being watched? And it still happened. Well, Mm. it is important to remember that we have spoken a lot about Janet, the 11-year-old. She was the main focus, but there was her sister, 13-year-old Margaret, who was also fully in this. She shared a room with her younger sister, so I wouldn't put it past them two to conjure up a plan of their own. Then there's the youngest brother, Billy. He's often left out of this story. He's... um. For the majority of the time, he's left to his own devices in the house because, again, the majority of the stuff happens around Janet and Margaret and Peggy's always around with them. And then they just forget about Billy, who's just sort of wandering around the house on his own. Yeah. So, you know, it who's to say that he's not just sort of, you know, going around and just copying the girls because they're getting attention from it. So he's just doing it as well. So when the I mean, girls yeah. are being when the girls are being watched so they can't knock or tap on anything, Billy's just doing it on his own. Yeah, because he's going to want to be part of it, isn't he? He's a sibling that's been left out, and no one likes that. Yeah, yeah. Now, I also haven't even mentioned the fact that there is actually a fourth Hodgson child. He's the eldest, and he's often away. The reason he's away is because he's boarding at a school for troubled youths. So whenever he's home, I I don't think it's wrong to assume that he might be up for a game as well. He's in a school for troubled youths. Yeah, he's, he's up to mess around. Yeah. Now, let's also not conclusively dismiss house creaks, even though neighbour Vic Nottingham was a builder and didn't recognise any of the creaks as being from the house settling. Just because he's a builder, it doesn't necessarily make him an expert in foundations and material. These were old houses, even in the 70s, and I checked. The house that they lived in was built between 1900 and 1929, which would make the house between 40 to 70 years old, that's long enough for a building to make older or different noises. It's quite an old mm. house. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know about you, but I have lived in a flat that has had animals that have managed to get into the walls. 
So my third year flat at university had a blocked off chimney in my room and I had no idea it was there because it had been decorated over. So you can imagine my terror when I start hearing <laughs> taps and scrapings coming from my room at night. I was terrified. <laughs> and it, ter- <laughs> it turns out that it was just pigeons and rodents that have got themselves into the chimney but then got stuck there. So they're like, that's what all the scrape's for. But oh, so I, didn't, funny. Okay. I didn't even know there was a chimney there. So all I'm hearing is fucking taps and knocks and scrapes in, in the night. It, uh, it was awful. Yeah, you'd absolutely shit yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> in fact, I've even had a bee's nest in my ceiling, which makes an awful Ooh. humming noise. It's terrible. Yeah. They are surprisingly loud. So it's not out of the realms of possibility that animals could have gotten into the walls of this old house and nobody knew or could find them. Now, while we're on the chimneys, let's briefly talk about the chimney cover that fell off the wall and almost killed young Billy. Now, we've mentioned that this is an old house. I would also like to mention it is a council house. And as someone who has spent the best part of their life in a council house, I can tell you that they are not always well maintained. Generally, people living in council houses are not well off, meaning that they often can't spare the money to pay for upkeep or repairs of their home. That's where the council comes in. They are there to repair and maintain your home that you're renting from them. But the problem is, councils aren't always the quickest to respond, and it's likely that the council doesn't have the funds to repair your chimney when it's not completely broken yet. So, if it's still on your wall... It is not broken. It is fine. And that was the case for our chimney grate, in my opinion. Having seen the pictures of this, it looks knackered and old. I would not be surprised to find that the girls were able to pull it from the wall enough that it was loose and eventually it would fall. Yeah, yeah. I'm with then, you. then there are the pranks. Morris himself admits in a documentary that the girls would play games with him and he said that he would be surprised if they didn't and I disagree with this. I think they should be shit scared all the time and not want to jeopardise the case. Also, If I was living what? in a house where they were like, there's a poltergeist here, well one, I wouldn't be living in that house anymore and I also nope. wouldn't be stirring things up. Exactly. I'm not trying to like fucking frame the ghost. I want them to find it and get rid of it. Although that's actually a really good point. You could out-poltergeist the poltergeist. I've always thought this. You know in horror films, when there's like a group of people being chased by one killer, if they all just suddenly turn around and go, hold on a minute, there's more of us, and then just try and kill, like, just flip the script. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you, know you become I the would, ghost. Scare the ghost. I would enjoy that. That'd be quite funny. That's that's a, There's a scene in Scary Movie with that, isn't it? In Scary Movie 2, where you've got one of the Wayne brothers, he's in a bedroom, and there's that clown under the bed. And it, it drags him under the bed, and then he ends up assaulting the uh, the clown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just fight back. What are they gonna do? Mm. Um, while I'm on it as well, why is the family still in this house, right? Because if I'm honest, they are a huge red flag when it comes to the phenomena and investigating it. Like, I'm sure, fine, they should be observed for a time so that they can get like a benchmark of the phenomena that's going on but then they should be mm-hmm. removed from the house to see if it still happens when they're not in it and then yeah. also at that point get the fucking builders in start analyzing the building analyzing the fucking structure of the built place like do some proper fucking research 
instead of just constantly having the family in there being like well it's, it's happening to the family so we need to keep the family in the house and observe it yeah no. it doesn't really make sense does it anyway Morris admits that Janet was once caught trying to bend spoons in the kitchen to blame it on the poltergeist. (laughs) Yeah, remember, Yuri Geller was very famous at the time for bending spoons. She went to one place where she bent a spoon with her mind, and now she's just trying to bend everything she can fucking see and blame it on the ghost. He also recalls coming to the house one morning to find Janet in absolute hysterics, claiming that the poltergeist had taken his tape recorder. Morris very quickly found the tape recorder under Janet's bed. What Janet's 11-year-old brain didn't realise was that the recorder was recording and it picked, <laughs> it, it picked her up saying she was going to blame it on the poltergeist. It's right. not looking good okay. here, is it? No. Now, let's also look at the most famous photo from the investigation. James, you've got the photo. I've sent that to you as well. Um, yeah, the, levitation, yeah, the levitation of Janet... Now, remember, there are cameras set up in the girls' bedroom set to take a picture whenever the guys heard a noise in the room. What followed were a series of images taken that depicted Janet, quote, levitating. Now, James, you've got the image there to look at. What do you think? It looks like she's jumped off the bed. (laughs) Like, especially because the kids in the background look like the flash has just gone off and they're trying to cover their eyes. Yeah. They look pretty disgruntled about the flash. But yeah, it literally... Well, again, also they need to sort out that decor. I don't care what decade it is, it's horrible. <laughs> but it, it, she's jumped off the bed. Yeah, yeah, it does look like she's just jumped off the bed. I don't know how anyone has like looked you, at It's not the that. classic levitating one where they're lying horizontally and you're like, how have you managed to get that? Because that's really impressive. Well, but you can't jump enough, horizontally. But funny you enough, can jump the way she is. There is one woman that claims that she saw that. She was walking past the house, and as she looked up through the window, she saw Janet lying horizontally, levitating. I think I'll cover it later on. Um, and that's cool, but no proof of that. There's no pictures of no, it. So... You, you, she just wants to get involved, doesn't she? Sell her story yeah. to the paper. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Now, yeah, you're right. It's just fucking... She's just jumped off the bed and they heard the noise at the right time. I reckon she was dead, dead quiet. And then as soon as she jumped, she screamed and they went, oh, take a picture. Um, yeah. It just looks like she jumped. And also they were like, oh no, but she jumped like four foot across the room. And But then she's also been described as very athletic uh, for an 11 year old girl. And apparently she did gymnastics as a kid. So- and also look at, the, look at the bed covers. If she was lying in bed, why are the bed covers now all by the pillow? If she had, like, thrown those covers off, they'd be at the other end of the bed. So yeah. she's clearly, like, planned this. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Now, but there, look- there is, if you look at the picture, sorry, there's a there's a doll in the corner. That is the scariest thing about this fucking image. Oh, Have yeah, got God. The... Yeah, don't That's like it. That's fucking awful. <laughs> there's also Ugh. a gollywog somewhere in their bedroom. Oh, yeah, different time, innit? Can't be doing yeah. that anymore. <laughs> But do you know what's funny? I was watching... So, um, if you don't know, there's a new docuseries out on uh, Apple TV that has this, and they have, like, painstakingly uh, recreated the the house to, like, Mm. the nth degree. They've put a gollywog in there, and you're like, right, you didn't need to do that. You didn't need to do that. There's no need. That's just the prop master being fucking, oh, I'm never going to get to do this again, so... (laughs) Let's just go for it. I've always wanted a gollywog, and now I get to buy one, and it's not even my money. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I think my mum had one. Um, God. If you don't know what one is, we're not going to describe it. Just Google it and then delete your history afterwards. Yeah, Google it. Now, let's look into the voices of the entity. Now, it's quite creepy. And I said earlier uh, that people assumed this was impossible for Janet to do, insisting that she'd have to uh, she'd have to have used a, a part of her voice, um, a part of her throat that was not designed for talking. So even if she could do it, she couldn't do it for long. Now, that may be right, but ventriloquists are the experts when it comes to manipulating the throat to make sounds, and they can do all sorts. So I'm not, mm. uh, you know... I don't think it's out of the ordinary to assume that a young Janet was just kind of good at doing this, um, mm-hmm. naturally. Um, kind of like a beatboxer, you know. They make mm. some wicked noises, and you've no idea how the fuck they do that. Um, I also have proof, too. Janet and her sister were being interviewed by a news reporter. Now, James, this is the video that you do have. Mm-hmm. So... While he's interviewing both Janet and Margaret on the sofa in the living room, Janet is doing the voice, and she's putting it on. This shows that she can do it at will, so that she's just sitting there chilling next to her sister. The reporter's asking her questions, and she's just doing the voice. Yeah. And you're like, right, okay, but you're supposed to be possessed when you're doing it, so we're saying she's possessed right now, and why is people not making a fuss of it? Because she's just sitting there having an interview. Mm-hmm. So the reporter asks her, how does it feel to be haunted by a poltergeist? And Janet responds by saying, It's not haunted. Her sister Margaret is then seen and her to go, Shut up. <laughs> right. It's just case, that's case closed. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, I, I'm 100% certain it's the girls. The reporter then asks, Why isn't it haunted? To which Janet replies, I don't know. He then asks, Does it frighten you? The things that happen here. And she says... Oh, well, it did first, but now I've got more used to it. I think that's pretty damning stuff. You'd shit yourself. Any sane human being would shit themselves in that situation. Mm, mm. If it were real. Now, the last piece of evidence I'll throw your way is this. Morris had a fellow member of the SPR put Janet under hypnosis. While under, he asked her if she knew who was doing all this. Janet replied... Me and my sister. I don't know who it is. Right. <laughs> what more do they need? <laughs> I know. And Morris, until the day he died, absolutely steadfastly believed this. He was looking for something, though. He he was desperate for this to be real. 100% he's just looking for something. Now, I've debunked a lot here. And you might be saying... Oh, Ryan, you haven't debunked the police officer seeing a chair move or the woman who witnessed Janet levitate. And my answer to that is group scenarios. Oftentimes when we see something we can't quite explain, we try to just ground it, try to rationalise it. But when you're in a room with other people who are then going, oh, wait, no, I saw it too. You end Mm. up just rolling down this hill and the story becomes more and more wild. Kind of like, I don't know, religion. (laughs) I, I, yeah, there we go. I, I got, I got it in. I got it in. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Anyway. I think it's more likely that the group saw what it wanted to see for the most part. I am sure there are many things that have happened which weren't easily explained at the time, so just became fantastical stories. So, I think it's pretty evident where I stand on this case. I think it's an elaborate hoax by the kids that got out of hand. But why would they do this? Here's my theory. The family had suffered a traumatising breakup when, about a year or so before the phenomena kicked off, Peggy and her husband split up. Now, it wasn't an amicable split, it was rough. The girl's dad would come over from time to time to drop off maintenance allowance for the family and then he'd just leave. And oftentimes he would bring with him his new girlfriend. It was a tough time for the family. They weren't well off at all, let alone having the main breadwinner leave. All of a sudden, Peggy has to raise four kids on her own in the 70s when it still really wasn't that common for her to be a single mum. I believe that the girls started playing up, likely to get some attention from their parents. Peggy's off working so much to try and keep make ends meet, and the dad's not around that much, so I reckon they're just trying to get attention from their parents. Maybe it was a weird way to get them back together, I don't know, a la parent trap. An elaborate prank that just got out of hand. What do you think, James? No, I think you're spot on. I, I, all the evidence points towards the girls doing it. They, they've literally admitted it, so mm. Um, mm. they do seem troubled. And also, if one of it sounds like to me like Janet's the ringleader, and if she starts, then the younger ones are going to get involved as well, just because that's what you just join in with your siblings when you're playing fun games, don't you? Yeah. But if yeah. They had their if the mom or something just shut it down straight away and said absolutely not. But then it doesn't explain the chest of drawers just sort of coming away from the wall. But then you've so, got to take her word for that, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll kind of like very, very briefly later on uh, come on to like you know, not I've debunked certain things, but there are other things I haven't. And like you might be like, oh well, Ryan, you've debunked the easy ones, not the hard ones. And it's like, okay, fine, yeah, that's fine, um, that's a fair thing, but for most of the part like a lot of these are just people said they saw them so you know yeah it's like it's like when you say to someone who has religion you're like oh well, i don't believe in it why do you believe in it and they're like well just do and you're like right well that's not an argument you know you can't just say yeah. i just do i just believe in it i just saw it you know okay well if you this is the thing if you tell me you saw a ghost i believe you i'm not i'm not saying it's real though i, I just believe that you saw something you think is a ghost that's it yeah i can't argue no, with that um so when it comes to like the chest of drawers, yeah, I'm sure the chest of drawers maybe did move or it was out of place or something and maybe hadn't realised that it was out of place and then saw it and was like, oh my God, that's when did that move? 
Maybe she didn't actually see it move. Maybe she turned around and it was out of place. And then when she went to move it, maybe it got caught on the carpet and she just didn't realise and was like, oh my God, I can't move it. I don't know. I'm sure there's an explanation. There's an explanation for everything. Now, toward the end, Janet was placed into a psychiatric hospital. Like, this is how fucking serious it got. It was thought that the poltergeist was around because of Janet's high stress from her parents breaking up. So she was sent there to kind of clear her head a bit and deal with that Mm. she was given a completely clean bill of health and returned home and miraculously the phenomena stopped soon after oh just like that Mm, just like that now peggy hodgson would live out the rest of her life in that house until her death in 2003 janet and margaret have gone on to live normal lives and have stuck to their story despite the fact that they have had many publishers offer them a lot of money to adapt and embellish their stories so that's one good thing you can say, like, you know, credit to them. They haven't changed their story. But the thing is, they just weren't offered enough money. The Conjuring right. series had their second movie based on this case. And like I said earlier, it involved the Warrens very heavily, which is not true since they were there for about a day or two. There's also a lot of movie stuff to make the whole thing more dramatic than it actually was. And the girls are seen on it as fully grown adults being interviewed for the DVD and the promos and all the behind the scenes stuff. And they're there saying that this is the best way to tell their story. Really? The fucking Conjuring. The Conjuring. This is the best way to tell your story. A film that has just Hollywood written all over it where they've got like fucking make-believe stuff ed and lorraine warren were not involved in this case and yet they made the entire thing about them and they're like yeah this is the best way to tell our story it's like no you were just paid a lot more money than anyone else yeah exactly do a documentary if that's the best way to tell your story well this is the thing they have done several documentaries and they're like oh yeah this is the story this is the story as it is but then they're also on the dvds for the country and saying oh this is the truest version of our story it's like no it's not this is completely i mean different. fair play to them a joke that went got out of hand as kids has now been a massive payday for them, so... Mm, yeah. So that's it. I know there is so much more that I have not included in this case, and if you're familiar with it, I'm sure you're screaming, but what about this bit? Like I say, I can't have it all in here, otherwise it would be an hours-long series. And to be honest, as fun as this story is, in my opinion, it is just a hoax crafted by a couple of kids who are sad about their parents splitting up. When my parents split up, I did drama at school. We're very different people. <laughs> there we go. Nice. There's, there's your Halloween episode, everyone. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Ghosts Happy Halloween. aren't real. Go- <laughs> We've ruined it for you all. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's such an interesting topic because there, there was a. I'll tell you my like co- what I believe is a concrete ghost story. Now that I've got, I was at. The, I used to go to this amateur theatre. I think it was built early 1900s um and i went there from the ages of like i think i was 10 to i was about 18 a good solid eight years there um and i i used to get freaked out in that whole building if ever i was alone in any of the rooms really really bothered me uh and there was one room where i was with my friend at the time and we were doing some props and we were like behind the stage and we needed the light so i think he pulled back the curtain as I was looking for the props and he saw this fucking like silhouette thing move halfway across the room 
And he was like, that's really weird. But we didn't think anything of it. And I was like, I can't find what we're looking for. Let's swap. I'll hold the curtain. You look. And then from the point where he said that it got to, I saw it leave and leave the room. Mm-mm. And Mm-mm. I can't fucking, I can't explain that. Nope. Nope. I don't get it. It was like, it was like this black silhouette. I, 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 to this day, that is like, for me, the thing that freaks me the fuck out the most. And there was a guy that, he still goes there. Um, his name is Roy. He was the guy that I credit for getting me into acting. Like, really cool guy. Uh, he has no... You know you have these people in your life that you just trust no matter what. They have mm. no reason to lie. You just believe everything they say. He has seen some stuff at that theatre, and he very rarely talks about it. But he said one night, he's a keen drummer. He was in the theatre by himself. There was a drum kit on the stage, and he was just going for his life. Just fucking going for his life um, on the drums. And a voice behind him went, Can you be quiet, please? Oh. And he was, and he, he, like he said, he put the drumsticks down, and he just got the fuck out of the building, and just left. Nope, nope, nope. I don't, nope. I, do, I can't explain that. I can't explain it. Either he was lying, or something told him to be quiet. Hmm. Hmm. I don't. And I'm like not going to call him a liar. I have goosebumps. Don't like that. I've got goosebumps. But I've I seen ghosts. I've seen ghost air quote in that building. But I've also worked in a medieval castle, and I've seen nothing. So. No, that's true. I worked in the dungeon and not seen anything. Yeah. But then I've also been ghost hunting and had experiences. So, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> not Who that knows? one. This is fascinating. Please, please, if you're listening to this, send or get on socials and send us your ghost stories that you, uh, you've you encountered. I'm honestly so, so interested. Just please let us know. James can read those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a scaredy cat, honestly. I'm the worst. <laughs> I, I hate horror films, but I love listening to people's real accounts. I remember when we worked at the dungeon, and for anyone, obviously for most of our listeners, you're, a lot of you are abroad, so you won't know, but if you've been to the London dungeon, James, you know the bit from Conspirators Corridor through uh, to Bates area, and it's mm-hmm. got the screaming mannequin behind the door. Do you not like that bit? Oh, every, I could not walk through it. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. I had to go For me, through. it was Plague Street. I didn't like Plague Street. Oh, Plague Street was awful. I didn't like uh, Mitre Square either. Nope. Mitre Square was fine. If I was ever alone in, um, you know, like, is the Dr. Boggart room or something where they just help people? If ever you're alone in that room and the sound's going off, fuck me, that was scary. Oh, yeah. So for those that didn't know, you had to test your showrooms every morning before you did your shows. And I mm-hmm. used to hate the doctor's room. You know, the one with the screams, like when it went dark and pissed up mm-hmm. the blood and all that stuff. Um, that used to freak me out because the lights would go out and then you've got blood curdling screams going off. And I was just like, yeah. I, I, I cannot be in the room while this happens. <laughs> yeah, just quickly push the button and run. I literally would just do that. I, I couldn't do it. Or, or I would just assume that it worked. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> just hoped because then when you're next doing it, there's people in that room who are more scared than you. Yeah. And I always find if yeah. there's someone more scared than you are, suddenly everything's okay. Oh God, yeah, I am the bravest man in the world if there's someone else that's scared. Yeah, it's like if I'm feeling anxious about something and someone turns to me and goes, "I'm I'm about to have a panic attack. I'm really struggling." Suddenly, I'm not anxious anymore. I'm like, okay, I'm mm. I'm absolutely fine. Let's get you yeah. seen too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I am I am Shaggy and Scooby rolled into one. I'm such a scaredy cat. <laughs> I can't do any of it. Right. Anyway, that's it, everyone. There's your Halloween episode. I am so glad that's done <laughs> for another year. Until next year. <laughs> yeah. Halloween last uh, year was very true crime. This is a spirit. Like, spiritual stuff's always scary, isn't it? Even though yeah. true crime is very much more real. Which is funny because, like, you know, you mentioned about horror films. Uh, my partner, Jenna, absolutely fucking loves horror films. 
cannot stand scary like uh, spiritual ones that have ghosts in it uh, not for any particular reason that she don't like them it's that she finds them boring and i'm like what oh, really? what are you on about why do you find them boring and her literally her words are well because i know it's not going to happen so she likes the horror films like um you know um oh what's it called the strangers do you know yeah. that one yeah. that one where like the people they come into your house she loves that she like that, that's that's top tier for her that's a proper scary horror film because that's shit more that could realistic because it's shit that could happen whereas like i'm scared of the ghost stuff not really scared of the the the, pe- the people ones no i'm with you i would much rather take on a real life serial killer than that's a what fake it is demon. i think that's what it is it's just like if i can actually see a human i can just go at them like if listen if i'm gonna die i'm just gonna go at ya whereas like you can't fight a ghost who am i gonna punch but that's the exact that's the thing that scares me about horror films like if i'm watching it and i can see the threat be the demon killer whatever i'm fine i don't it's not scary anymore it's mm. when you can't see what you're supposed to be scared of that really fucking bothers me it's that anticipation of oh it's going to come it's going to come mm. it's like um alfred hitchcock said there's absolutely no fear in the bang it's the build up to the bang that is the yeah. scariest part mm. cuz once it's done and i completely relief. agree like, oh, yeah, once done. you can it's once done. you can see the the actual, I'm thinking of Insidious for some reason, and like the scene where like there's that red demon thing. Once you can see it, I don't care. It's there. It's fine. I know where it is. Mm. When I don't know where it is, I'm freaking out. The fear mm. of the unknown. That's that's humanity for you, isn't it? Yeah, that is it, isn't it? Fear of the unknown. Anyway, right. <laughs> Let's leave it there, shall we? Um, uh, we've had a few like messages from people uh, like with suggestions and whatnot. Obviously, the Patreon people are voting for an uh, episode that's going to come up soon. Uh, if you're interested, uh, there is a poll. You can vote on what we're going to talk about soon. Um, and everyone's voting for Issei Sagawa, a Japanese killer. Um, also, nice. we had uh, a message asking if you are on Patreon. Um, obviously, we have ads now. Uh, I wasn't you've sure. You've noticed. Yeah, you've probably noticed because they're fucking everywhere. I'm sorry about that. I know they can be a bit annoying, but it is for the benefit of the show. If I could, I wouldn't have any ads on there at all. But it, like I say, it's for the benefit of the show. And then that would benefit you guys because the content of, that we put out would be better. Um, but someone did recommend that maybe we could have a playlist of all the episodes on on Patreon that had no ads at all. And we are going to look into that and get that done. So if you... Um, want to listen to the show without any ads you can also head to patreon at the end of the day the show's free it's there for you you can listen to it if you want if you want that without the ads boss you can head over to patreon and that will happen soon exactly so, yeah. and sorry if the adverts are waking you up um <laughs> and i think it goes to say that we don't really have any power in what the adverts are do we so no, they're like no. we don't we probably we, we we don't personally endorse whatever they're advertising no, although I don't mind the Tyrrell's crisps advert because they are terribly, terribly tasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, but it, it, honestly, we're, we're already reaping the benefits of it. And if you watch the documentary that is about to come out, like that standard is, is we, we're only going to build on that. And, and this money fucking aids that significantly. Mm, um, absolutely. Also, HelloFresh, you've not got back to me yet at all. So HelloFresh, if you are listening, holler, holler at us. Just let us advertise. <laughs> Ryan loves HelloFresh. I do, I do enjoy it. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, consider hitting us up on the Patreon. Uh, James, you've got a new article out at the moment, haven't you? Yeah, so I'm going to be doing more of that. I'm going to be aiming for three a week. If you don't see three a week, consider it a failure. Um, <laughs> the next one should hopefully be coming out Wednesday. What's it going to be about? I don't know. But if you don't want to listen to our voices, 
you can read. And I, what I'm going to do a lot of the time, some of the articles will be like opinion pieces, current affairs, blah, blah, blah. But I'm also going to do sort of written formats of what our episodes are. So in case for whatever reason you can't listen to an episode, um, you can sort of read a synopsis and then the episode is at the bottom of the article. So you can just listen to it on the article, which is really cool. There you go. Um, All right. Yeah. So yeah, there's some bits coming on. Um, so yeah, consider heading over to Patreon. Uh, the video will be uh, live as you are listening to this. You can head over to Patreon uh, and watch our documentary. Um, the trailer will also be up on social soon. So yeah, thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you for your continued support. Happy Halloween, and we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Thank you.